0: I'm not going to spend much time on this. It's just something you should be aware of. First off, there's a a mayor running for the Republican Party nomination for president. Because if it worked so well for Pete Booty Gig, then uh, why can't it work for Francis Suarez? The mayor of Miami. That sounds, I mean, mayor of Miami, president. All right, that sounds like the natural order, don't you think? So um, he was on Hugh Hewitt's radio program this morning. And for folks who don't know, Hewitt always asks certain questions of all presidential candidates. He asks, like, what is the, what is the nuclear triad? Um, and this was one of them. This is one of the questions. What is your position on the Uyghurs? The Uyghurs are the people that are being enslaved by communist China and making all of the tennis shoes for Nike and the Apple phones for, well, Apple. Um, and so he is asked about the Uyghurs. <laughs> and here was his response. You gave me homework, uh, Hugh. I'll, I'll look at what, uh, what was it was. What did you call it, a weeble? The Uyghurs. <laughs> you really I'll need to you know, know about it. the Uyghurs, Mayor. I you got to talk about I it will every it. day. I, okay. will, I, will, I will talk about I will. Forward, I will search Uyghurs. I'm, I'm a good learner. I'm a fast learner. So he first asks, did you, would you call them the Weebles? (laughs) How do you not know what the Uyghurs are? How do you run for president and not know who the Uyghurs are? Guys, I'm thinking maybe, I'm thinking maybe mayor might not be the springboard to president that Mr. Suarez thinks it is. But anyway, so there's that going on. Meanwhile, the L.A. Times has a columnist. I think he's a business columnist. Um, and uh, he's, his name is Michael Hiltzik. And uh, he is coming to the defense of the communist Chinese regime over the origins of COVID. Because there was a report that came out. And he says that this report debunks the lab leak theory. Which is weird, because when you read it, it actually doesn't say that at all. But I guess he knows how to read between the lines in a way that we, his intellectual inferiors, do not. I can only assume. He says, that sound you may have detected rising from the ether of social media this weekend was the gnashing of teeth by COVID conspiracy mongers outraged by a U.S. government report debunking their most cherished claims. Wow, that's quite the opening trumpet statement there on your column. It's a very lengthy piece, too. I read it, so you don't have to. Don't worry, I'm going to give you the highlights here. But that kind of loaded language, you can hear it throughout the entire piece, right? He denigrates people that have a disagreement. These are all hypotheses, right? These are just theories that people have because we're dealing with the Communist Party of China and— Commies lie. Rule number one, Commies lie. So we don't know all of the information. So we're trying to investigate and fill in the gaps as best we can. And initially, when people were kicking around this idea of the lab leak theory, they were met with this like backlash that was completely out of proportion for simply discussing whether or not this was something that was being researched in a lab. It may have come from the bats, right? The bats were at the lab. The bat lady was at the lab. And, and maybe they got it from the bat soup or pangolin soup at the wet market half a mile away or whatever. And maybe it was some scientists that went there. They took the lunch order for the whole lab. And they were like, all right, we're going to get like seven cartons of pangolin soup. And then they're walking back with it or riding their bicycles, probably because it's China. And they're riding their bicycles back. And then they like spill some of it and like, oh, no, your bat soup got into my pangolin bread. Your pangolin bread is in my bat soup, right? And then it get all mixed up and then bam, COVID erupts, right? Maybe that's what happened. I don't know. The long-awaited report released Friday by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence or ODNI Put the lie to the theory that the SARS-CoV-2 virus, which causes COVID, leaked from a virology lab in Wuhan, China, where the disease was first detected in humans. He seems very sure of this. Just keep this in mind when I read to you the money statement here from the report. Keep in mind how certain this columnist at the L.A. Times is, that he would write a, is this four pages, three pages I don't know how many words that is. It's probably about a, it's this thing is probably a thousand words. He says the lab leak conspiracists were certain that the report would validate their contentions for which there has never been any valid, uh, valid scientific evidence. Instead, well, see, here's the problem. And I went over this last week. Right. The problem is that there is a big gaping hole in the research because the lab went dark. As soon as the military hooked up with them, they were publishing all of these strains and these different viruses and stuff. They were uploading them into this, you know, international database so people could see it so they can track stuff and even do more research on things. And then the Chinese military was like, oh, what you got going over there? Oh, I see you've got some human lungs in those mice and they're very, very sick all of a sudden. Tell you what, let's not, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and lock this down. And all of a sudden, the research doesn't get posted anymore. And the commies lie. And they don't tell us what they were working on. So this is, um, the U.S. agencies, this is what he says debunks it, is that they say while several researchers at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, or as I call it, the WIV, Several of these researchers fell mildly ill in fall of 2019. They experienced symptoms consistent with colds or allergies. That's the debunking. Hmm. The report was issued in response to the COVID-19 Origin Act, which was signed into law by President Biden. The act required the intelligence community to declassify all information on the topic in its possession Except information that could compromise national security or intelligence gathering sources and methods. Well, that's a pretty big loophole, don't you think? That's a that's a that's a large area. Surely the intelligence agencies would never overclassify stuff, right? Oh wait a minute, no, hang on a second. Is that what no, that's what people said when Hillary had the classified stuff, right? The liberals were saying that that the military overclassified. Stuff. But then they switched off of that when Trump took the classified stuff. So uh, is it back to being overclassified? Are we back there? Have we resorted? We may have reverted. I don't know. The intelligence report also serves as a reproach to news organizations. He's really, by the way, he's really mad at ProPublica. Very, very angry. He spends a good bit of time giving them the old what for because they had the temerity to report on the lab leak theory. The intelligence report serves as a reproach to news organizations that have bought into the lab leak theory, despite the utter lack of evidence for it. And that's just not true. There's there is not no evidence. These organizations include The Wall Street Journal, The New York Times, The Atlantic and ProPublica. He calls it unbaked claptrap. And he calls the ProPublica performance the saddest example that they besmirched its reputation for painstaking and thorough investigative journalism, such as its important and indispensable expos... Or such as its important and indispensable exposés of corrupt conflicts of interest by Supreme Court justices. Right? So he's mad. Like, on the one end, he's like, oh my gosh, investigative journalist. Man, you gave those conservative justices you know, one, two. Him the old one-two. Gave them the what-for. But uh, who are you... Why are you doing this lab leak thing? So it's not good investigative journalism. See, ProPublica besmirches itself when it, when it does research and does investigations that lead to a conclusion that he doesn't like. So here's the thing he says. First, let's examine the intelligence report. What it says, uh, it states outright that it, quote, does not address the merits of the two most likely pandemic <laughs> origin hypotheses. So it says in the report, it does not address the merits of the hypotheses, but he knows how to read between the lines, folks. Don't worry. consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor there really is something for everyone at old grouch's military surplus in beautiful downtown clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. all right so back to this uh this column by michael hiltzig in the la times and he's just like spiking the football Doing the dance, like, fully choreographed and all of that, like, where it just goes on and on for too long. You know, those types of celebrations. But here's the thing that's really weird. It's like he didn't even cross the end zone. He didn't even make it into the end zone. He's, like, doing, like, the whole Cam Newton routine, and it's he got, like, uh, he didn't even get, like, a first down. There's a report that the U.S. government put out about the COVID origins, which they— They continue to classify a whole bunch of information. The Republicans are like, "Um, "Yeah, we're going to need to see all of that." The uh, Representative Mike Turner of Ohio, he said, "The public deserves to see more than the ten-page report released on Friday, which served as a summary of findings and did not offer any conclusions about whether the virus arose from nature or the Chinese lab." We want the intelligence released. Not their opinion about the intelligence. If we wanted their opinion, we would have asked for it, he said. The report said both a natural and lab-associated origin from the with remain possible hypotheses. Wait, what? Hang on a second. How is that possible? Because this L.A. Times columnist, Michael Hiltzig, he's like, in your face, spike the football, you know, do the fadeaway jump shot thing on the sideline, all of it doing this Superman airplane thing all around the perimeter of the field as if as if they, they debunked it. He says they debunked it. But then he also says, the intelligence report says that both hypotheses remain plausible. So if they both remain plausible, then either one could be true. And that means neither one has been debunked. Am I reading that right? And by the way, there's also... Like, the report that came out in the UK Times last weekend, there's the report from the uh, the State Department, from the Right to Know organization. They, they did the FOIA request, and they got the cables from the Wuhan Institute of Virology that ties the military to the WIV. Oh, and more importantly, Russ sent me this, which I think... Oh, it's too short. It's too short. Yeah, that's yeah. I appreciate the effort. I need to find the thing for the bat lady. I need that. I, I keep forgetting to it isolate wasn't the just. Guy. Wait a minute, stop it. The dangers of being a germaphobe. Wait a minute, hang on. I got something to watch during the break. Oh, hey, real quick, before I forget. Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, Radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at com. That's com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply, will you be ready when the lights go out? So I'm going through this piece this L.A. Times columnist put together where he seems to think that when a government report says two hypotheses remain plausible. He thinks that the one he likes wins. Ty goes to the runner, and I'm always the runner. Another example of it. The intelligence report, uh, report says that both hypotheses remain plausible. But in his mind, in his mind, you got to read between the lines, and then you know, like he does, and if you don't know, then you're not a Gnostic like he is, one who knows, what they're really saying. He says the agency say... That while the WIV was engaged in genetically engineering viruses for research, there is no evidence that any of that work has involved SARS-CoV-2, a close progenitor or backbone virus that's closely related enough to have been the source of the pandemic. Once again, that's because they went dark when the military hooked up with them. Once they got the humanized lungs in the mice, thank you to the gain-of-function research by uh, Dr. Ralph Barrick from UNC Chapel Hill gave them that technology. And as soon as they started whipping it up real fast and, and you know, uh, uh, yeah, evolutionizing the viruses to become more like, you basically you infect a whole bunch of mice. They got these humanized cell lungs. And so it's like, okay, now they operate basically like human lungs. And then you juice them with some virus. You take the sickest ones, you pull the virus out of them, and then you juice a couple of other rats with that virus. And then, You take the sickest ones out of that batch and you just keep doing it, taking the sickest and the sickest and the sickest. I'm simplifying it because it's like, it's very, you know, it's very in the weeds of the Fauci. And so probably not a lot of people can really understand it, myself included. So uh, that's the gain of function. This, this, you know, rapid evolution. So this way you don't have to wait around for something to actually die before you can, you know, get a worse virus. You don't have to just let nature run its course to have the virus mutate, you can you can juice it and mutate it on your own. And when the military found out that that, that was available to them, that this was the work that was being done, and they had made progress, they had found this uh, respiratory uh, respiratory uh, pathogen in the mine shaft, and a bunch of these miners fell sick, and they were like, "Whoa, this one this one might be worth us studying." And they put the Bat Lady on it. I, I got to get the audio clip. All right, the agencies say, say that the WIV was engaged in genetically engineering viruses, but we don't have any proof that it was SARS CoV two. And again, because they stopped uploading their their genetic codes, they stopped putting them into the database. The report specifically addresses two supposedly key pieces of evidence promoted by the lab leak camp. One is that several WIV researchers fell ill in the fall of 2019 with COVID-19. And that is one of the recent stories that has come out. This was from the uh, the UK Daily, or sorry, not Daily Mail, the uh, the Times, the London Times. Multiple U.S. government officials have concluded that the first three people on Earth infected with SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, were three scientists doing gain-of-function research on bat coronaviruses at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The U.S. government has... So, the U.S. government says that. They have reason to believe that the researchers inside the WIV became sick in the autumn of 2019, months before the first deaths, with symptoms consistent with both COVID-19, but also common seasonal illnesses. And so it raises the question about the credibility of... Of the WIV senior researcher Shi Zhengli, who is the Bat Lady, yeah, public claim uh, her public claims that there was zero infection among any WIB staff and students. Uh, look, this isn't the lab leak theorists that are coming up with this stuff. This is this this is the U.S. government. Um, he goes on to say, like it's it's just amazing to me. This guy is this invested in. In the zoonotic, rather than the lab leak. Like, at some point, I have to wonder, why are you covering so so hard for the commies? I don't know which one is true. I lean towards lab leak now. I used to lean towards zoonotic. But now it seems to me like there's way more evidence for the lab leak. And also commies, you know. And they lie. And the way they behaved... Smacks of guilt. It the way it, and the guy uh, in the Chinese government in their sign uh, in their labs, the scientist who had uh, the uh, the vaccine ready to go. He patented the thing like within a week or something of the outbreak, leading people to believe that he was working on the cure in the same lab that they were working on the virus. You know, and then he he killed himself, quote unquote, by flinging himself off the roof of the with. The intelligence report, this is back to the L.A. Times pro-zoonotic guy, the bat soup believer. The intelligence report says that the researchers' symptoms were consistent with, but not diagnostic of, COVID-19. I'm sorry, did we have a test for COVID-19 when it first erupted? I kind of remember it taking a while. Don't you remember that? Oh, gosh, I was I was a mere lad. I was such a young tyke at the time. But did, didn't we have to wait a while for there to be some sort of a test? They say it could. This new report says it could have been caused by a number of diseases. That's true. But when three guys all get sick at the Whiv, a month before the outbreak, uh, I can read between the lines too, Uh, Mister Hiltzik. Two viruses that the institute was known to be working on are not close enough to SARS-CoV-2 to be a direct progenitor. That's what the report says. Well, we know that because once again they started hiding. The other strains, which they got busted and had to produce at some point some of these other strains that they were working on that they had not uploaded into the systems. He says there's no evidence of a lab leak, and that's just not true. I mean, that's the L.A. Times. And the thing I think when I read this piece, the thing I'm thinking is, what must the L.A. Times readership believe about COVID-19? And then you start thinking, what must they think about all sorts of other topics? Weird. I, um, I'd i mentioned this with my guest at the beginning of the show, uh, Matt Shoemaker, about the submersible, and I have not done a lot of coverage on this, and I get why it was such a, a newsworthy story, right? For four days where, like, you've you've got all of these elements. You've got the feel, like, First off, getting into a, a, a submersible like this and going down to the Titanic, and the Titanic has this iconic status, and so you have that connection. You've got the connection uh, that people have, like, oh, I would never get into a submarine, and you see how tight this thing is. It's a tiny little submersible, so you've got claustrophobia going on, but you also have the expansive agoraphobia of the ocean, right? Is that agoraphobia? There's probably a separate word for that, fear of being out on the ocean, so you have both of these things at the same time that you're you're cramped in in this tiny little submersible and you may be freaking out thinking about that. But then on the other side of it, it's like, oh my gosh, That's terrifying because it's so big on the outside too. And then as you go deeper down, more and more and more pressure. and uh, and then of course the you know people thinking that they're running out of oxygen. And so everyone's on this death watch. Can we get people there? It's like this race against time? So from a news perspective, yes, it was a newsworthy story. And there were people that at the very beginning thought that they were dead almost immediately. Like when they lost contact, they were probably dead. And the amount of time it takes for that thing to compress in on itself, to implode, it's like, what, I think it's like four nanoseconds or something like that. Or maybe it's two. And the brain doesn't even understand what's happening. In that amount of time, it's like it's like half the time it takes the brain to register something is how fast that thing collapsed in on itself and just obliterated from internally. Right. The pressure its just too much. And I had heard a story a long time ago about a guy who goes down, you know, with one of those suits, you know, and he's got the he's got the the pulley cord, you know, so you can, they can hoist him back up and he goes down so deep and he's you're not hearing from him. What's going on? He's not he's not tugging on the line. He's not tugging on the line. So they, they bring him up, and when they bring him up and the suit is empty, it was because he had gone down so deep and he had cut a hole in the suit, and he imploded. And then, of course, the suit fills up with water. And so I I remember that story. I have no idea if that story is true, by the way. That, I just remember that story. And when I heard this about the submersible, I started thinking, I'm thinking that that's probably what happened. Um, But one of the other parts of this story that I found just to be completely disappointing, to put it mildly, is the way that people turned this into um, a story about how these rich guys deserved it. Look, if I was rich, I had so much money, This is not anything that's on my bucket list. See previous comments about claustrophobia and agoraphobia, right? I would not. uh, uh, It does not interest me at all. You're basically paying a bunch of money, but if you're a billionaire, 250K is probably nothing, right? So you're paying $250,000 to go down and look at a graveyard. And now maybe if you're really interested in the ocean or the Titanic or whatever, and look, I get it. there's, There's like a vanity tourism component to this, so it's like saying oh, you know, I went down to the Titanic and I saw that, and then people who were at the party with you would say, oh, wow, that's amazing. But it really is this, this nasty tendency. And Beckett Adams had a good piece on it the other day. He says, um, we see this, uh, that you know, Twitter trawling, basically. It's still a popular method for deciding which stories and commentary deserve the above-the-fold treatment. It's likely a popular method for deciding how stories should be covered and what the going narrative should be. The obvious problem with this is that it means members of the press are taking their cues from inside an echo chamber as social media is designed specifically to seal off like-minded users from other groups. It also means unhinged, race- and class-obsessed sociopaths directly influence coverage and commentary as unhinged, race- and class-obsessed sociopaths are generally the loudest and most active on social media. That's who's dictating the coverage decisions. And what happens is, you have this, he calls it the Twitter-to-newsroom pipeline. And you can watch it happen in real time. We saw it with this story. Where this submersible craft, the Titan... Goes down, disappears, and as particularly obnoxious and loud Twitter users responded to the tragedy by jeering the suffering of the Titans' wealthy passengers, identical media commentary and coverage were not far behind. Right? You started hearing all this stuff about the company's CEO. Somebody actually, who was it? Maybe he may, he may mention it in this. Uh, yeah, here it is. He does. Because I, I saw this headline at the new republic uh course senior political correspondent daniel strauss headline quote ocean gate ceo missing in titanic sub had history of donating to gop candidates oh well then he deserved to die obviously all right obviously Sure, that donation to George Bush in 1979. Yeah, yeah. That that is totally totally worth us ignoring the disappearance and the tragedy of five living human beings, but the the CEO, he made like a $50 donation to W's dad in 80 when he lost to Reagan. Come on, people. Come on, media. As Melania would say, be best. All right, up next, Dr. Andy Jackson. We'll talk about the uh, Supreme Court ruling affecting North Carolina's redistricting lawsuit. It's up next.